Morning Life Center Church, so good to be with you guys. We do miss you so much. Um, wasn't worship amazing today? I, I am so in awe of our worship team, all of the, our different worship leaders, singers, uh, and uh, just it's, it's anointed, and God comes and meets us. And <coughs> that's part of the call in this house is to lift up a sound of praise and worship over a city and release a sound that starts a vibration that, that initiates a shaking that only God answers. Praise God. I'm so excited. I want to talk to you this morning about stepping into the promises of God within changing seasons. We are at a critical juncture. If you listen to the prophets, and I was listening to uh, a, uh, a recording of Cindy Jacobs had gathered um, <coughs> what she called, uh, um, you know, a council of the prophets, and it was Bill Hammond and Jim James Gall and um, Dutch Sheets, and uh, of course I'm forgetting some names, but uh, a number a number of very prominent prophets, and uh, went around and, and asked each of them what they thought God was saying in this season, and without. Um, each of them, in one way or another, basically we're, we're repeating the words that we've all heard, that it's a reset, that God is resetting the table and, he's, and things are shifting and it, it's not going to be the same. When You know, there's no going back to, quote, what was normal. I think we will get back to, you know, out of this coronavirus and this shelter in place. That's going to change. But the, God is shifting the playing field, if you will. He's setting the table for a great end-time harvest. And he's been preparing you and I for just such a time as this. And he's beginning to shift the way we think and the way we're going to approach this next season. And it's, it's very important for us to grab a hold of what the prophets are saying and to prepare our hearts to move with how the Holy Spirit's moving. And uh, I want you to turn with me to Joshua chapter 1. Because I feel like Israel gave an example of a shifting season for a whole group of people. And in, in Joshua, there's the change it's a generational shift it's uh, a passing of the baton of leadership and it's an entering into the promises of God in in their generation and an entire generation before they went into the promised land there was a generation before them that had the promises but failed to enter in because of unbelief and I, 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 I want us to go into this next season filled with faith filled with expectation, understanding that God has promises for your life and for my life, but even bigger than that, because to be honest, your life and my life, we're, we're small parts of, of a huge, huge um, endeavor that God is doing. And he wants to bring hope to a world that's been left without hope. He wants to bring salvation. 
And the fact of the matter is, is that Jesus Christ went to the cross, died, suffered a brutal death, went into the grave, and on the third day he rose again. He rose, ad- rose again, and he freed, it says he freed the captives that were in hell, and many were seen risen. It says in Luke, others were seen risen at that time. It was a precursor to the great, you know, resurrection day when we'll all come back, when, when he'll raise everyone up, you know, body, soul, and spirit. And, and here's the thing. These times of shaking, when you look back in revival's past, it was in times of great shaking that men's hearts were softened to the gospel. You see, sometimes God allows the things that can be shaken to be shaken so that the only thing that can't be shaken is what remains. And we know the only thing that can't be shaken is Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. And when our lives are hidden in him, we have this confidence that we can't be moved. We have this confidence that we can't be shaken. And we're going into a season, you know, we're, we're in a season where a lot of people are shaking. They're nervous. There's, there's been a spirit of fear released. And uh, I want to thank God that when we partner with God and we know the love of the Father and he secures our hearts in love, that it casts out all fear. That because of his perfect love, all fear must go. God's perfect love casts out fear. Okay, so let's turn to Joshua chapter 1, beginning of verse 2. It says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Shift of generations. It's a a shift in leadership. There's There's a transition point here. Moses, my servant, is dead. Speaking of Joshua. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, to the children of Israel. There was a shifting and a crossing over a crossing over into the promised land. Every place that, I, that the sole of your feet will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Does that sound familiar? I will not leave you nor forsake you. Jesus said it to his his disciples. I will never leave you or forsake you. And so it's the same God in the Old Testament as the New Testament. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. I really feel like this is the word for the hour, to be strong, only be strong and very courageous. This is a time for great courage. This is not a time to, to draw back in unbelief. It's not a time to allow fear to paralyze you. It's a time to step out in the face of you know, whatever you think is opposition coming your way, know that God is for you. He's taking you into a promised land. This is a time of a great end time harvest, renewal, revival, refreshing. And he wants to use you as a, as a mouthpiece in this year of the mouth. Okay. So be strong and very courageous. 
that you may observe to do according to the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Why did God feel that it was necessary to tell Joshua over and over again, be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid. He must have said it, you know, he said it twice in, this, in these seven verses. Um, be strong and very courageous. Do not be afraid. Where they were about to go, it was not without challenge. This was not going to be, you know, a walk in the park, so to speak. It wasn't going to be a breezy Sunday afternoon where you're skipping down the street. They were crossing the Jordan, and the Jordan was occupied. It was occupied by uh, the people of Jericho. It was occupied by the Canaanites, the Midianites, um, and all of the ites were over there waiting to repulse them and they needed to be courageous now when we receive the promises of god we have to likewise have a mindset of i am going to possess all that god has for me you know it, it says in philippians paul said you know this one thing i do i press on toward the mark toward the high calling of god in christ jesus that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me. You see, God has marked you. He's written all of your days in his book. Before there was yet one day, it says in Psalms, before you, there was yet one of your days, before you were born, he wrote all of your days. And he's got a plan for you. And he wants us to step into his plans. You see, he had a plan for the Israelites to go into the promised land. And I want to learn from what they did where they maybe came up short and, and use that as an admonition to say, let's not draw back in unbelief. Let's, let's understand where God is going. Because, you know, it's, it's very unsettling. It, it's very unsettling out there. I've had conversations with family members and others and you know, people are unsettled at what's going on. But in Christ, we have peace. We know that God is in control. And we don't have to be impacted by the same spirit that just seems to grab hold of the hearts of, of other men who don't know God. When we know God, we can say, God, I know you're in control. What are you doing in this season? How can I partner with you? Because he's actually wanting desiring. He's actually set up this realm on the earth so that we partner with him. God does nothing in the earth except he does it through men. The scripture says the heaven, even the heaven of heavens is the Lord, belongs to the Lord, but the earth he's given to the sons of men. So he uses men on the earth to accomplish his purposes. 
That's why we have to co-labor with God. That's why prayer is so important. It's because when we pray, we as men and women ask for divine intervention, and then he comes. He comes in answer to our prayers. Because he's given the earth to us, and he says, you guys manage it. If you need my help, call on me. So we do. And when we don't call on him and we leave it to our own devices, it doesn't go so well. So we're ever dependent on God. But when we call on him, he comes. When we're willing to humble ourselves. The Bible says if we humble ourselves and, and, and pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways, that he would heal our land. And so we're in that season right now. So we're going into this promised land. But it's going to require courage and it's going to require strength. Jane Hammond uh, was on this uh, prophetic um, roundtable or whatever they were calling it. And she had a word and she said, the invisible enemy, which referring to the coronavirus, this invisible enemy. And it's, it's sort of, I know President Trump has made that uh, comment. He's called it the invisible enemy. But she said she heard the Lord say, the, this invisible enemy, the coronavirus, is about to meet the invisible God. And he's about to wipe it out. She said, we're coming out of survival mode. You know, we've been hiding away and people have been in this mode of survival. But we're moving into revival. Revival hits every aspect of society. Revival energizes the body, the soul, the spirit. It's going to impact the uh, economy. It's going to impact men and women. It's going to cause people's heart to turn to God. And, and this is... This is the great harvest of souls. You know, one of the mandates on this house was to redig the wells of revival of Jeremiah Lamphere. And so we have been praying that, and we're asking God, uncap those wells. But when you look at the revival in 1857 that started in New York on Fulton Street and went across the nation and across the world, and there are books written about the impact that that revival had, it came out of a shaking. It came when there was a financial shaking uh, in the economy such that people were out of work. They were, you know, businesses were closing. It was a great economic shaking, and people were afraid. And, like, I don't believe that God brings these things on us in judgment, but he allows these things to get our attention, to say, you know what, we're not all we think we are. You know, we need God. We so desperately need him. And then when we call on him and we turn our hearts to him uh, and we, we submit and surrender to his ways, God, your will be done, not mine, that he comes in the midst. And that's when he sends revival. And that's how the 1857 businessman's prayer meeting revival started. It started because there was a shaking. And I believe that this worldwide shaking we're seeing right now God is about to use it to capture men's hearts. I've seen it in people I've talked to. There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's an inner shaking, but then there's the reality that God is good, and he wants to come in and, and, and have, sup, have supper with you. He wants, to, he wants to dine with you, and he's inviting us into a communion with him. Okay, can we turn to Hebrews chapter 3? Beginning at verse 7. 
Hebrews' comments on this time in history when there was this transition, and uh, that's why I want to read it. It says, beginning at verse 7, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the day of trial in the wilderness. Now, this is referring back to when Israel came out of Egypt, Moses selected 12 spies to go and spy out the land. The 12 went in, spied out the land. They saw it was a good land, flowing with milk and honey. Um, but they saw challenges in the land. Now, 10 of the spies came back, and they focused on the challenges. They said there's, there's giants in the land. The sons of Anak are in the land. And they actually instilled fear into the people, saying, we can't go into that land. We can't take that land. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. And they, they put a, a spirit of fear into the people. Joshua and Caleb were the other two spies, and it, the Bible says they were of a completely different spirit. They came back and said, it is a land flowing with milk and honey, and the fruit of this land is amazing. And yes, there are giants in the land, but we're well able to defeat them. And Joshua and Caleb said, they're like grasshoppers in our eyes. And they had a spirit of faith. They understood if God said he's going to give us this land, then he's well able to do it. And they would not draw back in unbelief. So let's continue reading. It says, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion when the ten spies disheartened the rest of Israel. In the day of trial in the wilderness where your fathers tested me, they tried me and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and I said, they always go astray in their heart. And they have not known my ways, so I have sworn in my wrath that they shall not enter my rest. Beware, brethren, lest there be any of you, there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin, for we have become partakers of Christ Jesus if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said, today if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who, having heard, they rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who didn't obey? So we will see that they could not enter because of unbelief. So this was a generation that saw all the miracles of God in Egypt. They saw plagues, uh, outbreaks happen all across Egypt, yet God kept them. And, and, and Pharaoh eventually relented and let them go. And then they saw the Red Sea part, and they walked across as if, as if it were dry land. And then they saw Pharaoh's army come behind them, and the, the sea closed up on them, and the horse and rider were thrown into the sea. They watched all these things, yet they saw the acts of God, but they weren't understanding what God was doing in their time and in their generation. It's interesting 
in Psalm 103, verse 7, it says that the Lord made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. In other words, Moses had a relationship with God that he understood what he was doing. Whereas the children of Israel simply observed what they saw. They, he made known his acts to the children of Israel. They could see what he was doing, but they didn't understand his ways. God is inviting you and I into this intimate relationship with him that we hear his heart, that we start to move in sync with the Holy Spirit, that we move with him and understand the times and seasons that we're in, that we would know his ways. All right, turn with me. Let's continue in Hebrews chapter 4. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel or this good news was preached to us as well as to them, the Israelites. But the word which they heard did not profit them. Why? It wasn't being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter that rest. As he has said, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this place, they shall not enter my rest. Now, since therefore it remains that some must enter it, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience, again, he designates a certain day saying in David, today, after such a long time, it has been said, today, if you will hear his voice. Do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterwards have spoken of another day. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God, for whom he has for he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works, as God did from his. Let us, therefore, be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall short to the to the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the di division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. God has taken us into the promised land. We at Life Center Church, we have been a house of prayer. We have been standing on our Friday night watches, in our midweek prayer watches, asking God to send revival to New York, to the whole country, around the world. We've been asking God, revive us again. Send the great awakening. Turn the hearts of men to you that Jesus might get his full reward. I feel like we're right on the, the precipice of that. I'm listening to what the prophets are saying, and they're saying this is the, this is, this is, the very, this is the tip, we're entering into a tipping point where we're going to see this outpouring of God. And I just feel it's so important for us that having pressed in, that we don't grow weary now.
that we don't draw back in unbelief, that we don't let fear or disappointment or the things that have happened around us shake our faith in the living God. That right now, we're, you know, we've said the church is about to enter its finest hour. Let's break that down. What does that mean? I believe what it means when we say the church is about to enter its finest hour is there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That God is going to do something so sovereign in drawing men and women to himself. This is part of the great end time harvest that we get to enter into that for which we haven't even labored for. You know, people have been praying for years and generations for this great end time harvest saying, God, that Jesus would get his full reward, that that men from the north, the south, the east, and the west, men and women would get, f- would, would get saved, that they come flooding into the kingdom, and, and that we would see the hearts turning to the Lord. I think we're right at that point. I think we're right at that point. And I believe the Lord is saying, now don't grow weary in well-doing. Exercise faith. Believe now in this season that when you speak to someone, the words which you speak are not mere words, but the Holy Spirit is backing you up. You know, he, was, he always bears witness to his word. But there are certain seasons when there's an outpouring, when there's, there's such a, a rhema revelation on the words that we speak that the people that we minister to, the people that we share our testimony with, that it resonates inside because God is preparing hearts. You know, we know the Bible says no one comes to the Lord unless he draws them. Well, I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, this is the time of the harvest. The Holy Spirit has been drawing men and women. He's been preparing you for such a time as this, that when you speak the word, it's not coming back void. That the word is going to go into good soil, and we're going to see a mighty end time harvest of souls that people will get saved. This is the time we press in. This is the time we press in. You know, I think when my wife and I got saved, it was around 1981. And from very early on, I had a hunger for revival. I didn't, uh, I didn't want to know a, a powerless Christianity. I didn't want a form of godliness that denied the power of God. I wanted to know the living God. If he was real and he moved in miracles, I wanted to see him. So... I would read books on revival and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and we would actually seek out places where we knew God was moving. And, and that hunger has never left us. And our desire for the presence of God is just the tangible. We know that when a tangible presence of God comes into the room, everything changes. Everything's different. And, and, and men, men's hearts begin to melt before the living God. This is all about worship. God is bringing us to a place where we're going to see this end time revival, and that's what I'm excited about. So as I was listening to the prophets (coughs) and hearing them say that it's reset, uh, revival, restoration, recover all. It was interesting. Will and de Havilland Ford were on that panel as well. I found it just so... I was so blessed to, you know, having just a few days ago, um, having them with us on a, on a Zoom call, 
with our community. We were so blessed. And then to see them with all of these prophets, it was just very encouraging because they were all saying the same thing. Now, Will and de Havilland had released the word about David's time when he came into Ziklag. He came into Ziklag, and it looked like it was the worst of the worst. You know, even the Philistines didn't want him. They sent him back saying, you know, we don't want him going into battle with us. He may, you know, betray us. And so they reject, so he was rejected by King Saul in Israel. He was rejected by the, the, the Philistines. He was sent back to, he went back to his little town in Ziklag with his band of about 400 men. And when he got there, he found the town was burned down. All their wives and children were carried off. And even his own men began to mumble against him and were talking about stoning David. Now, this, this is the worst of the worst. I mean, if, if anyone had a reason to suffer from depression, you know, David's rejected by Saul and Israel. He's rejected by his enemies, the Philistines. And then he's rejected by the guys that he was running with. And even, you know, he lost his wives, his children, all taken away, everything he possessed. His own men are ready to stone him. But it says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. David did not draw back in unbelief. What he said, he said to Abiathar, the priest, he said, bring the ephod. He brought the ephod and he inquired of the Lord. Lord, should I pursue them? If I pursue them, will I overtake them? And God answered. And it said, pursue and overtake. And so you can go back and read this story, um, David's story. And uh, he pursued, he overtook, and he recovered all. I believe that we're in that season. God is setting up the body of Christ, the church, you and I, for a season to pursue, to overtake, and recover all. God is going to, this is, this is going to be a great, great time for the church. And uh, though things seem like they're shaken, and some people say, I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, and, and I don't want to minimize the loss. Some of us have suffered great loss in this season. There have been, maybe someone in your family's passed away. Maybe you're furloughed or out of work in this season. I'm telling you, though, a change is coming. There's a shift. And I want you to stay the course. Don't draw back in unbelief. Now's the time when we press in and we, we, we know that God wants to do great things. In the book of Daniel, <coughs> it says, Daniel eleven thirty two. it says, Those who do wickedly against the covenant shall corrupt with flattery, but the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. And those of the people who understand shall instruct many. Now, whether this scripture speaks specifically to the time we're in or not, there's a principle here. The principle is when you know your God, you walk with him and you partner and you will do great exploits. God is looking for whosoever will come and partner with him. Now, I want to tell you that it's not without cost. When you come to God, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't ask you for nothing. He asks you for everything. He, he wants you to surrender your life. He says, come whosoever will, but surrender it all. Lay it all down. And, and he says, lay down your ways and take up my ways. Come to me, all you who are 
weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come and learn of me. He's meek and lowly. Come and learn his ways. You know, there was a great shift when Moses, when God instructed Moses at the burning bush that he was going to use him to appear before Pharaoh and to lead his people out of Egypt, that was a great shift. You see, Israel, they were slaves for 400 years. They had a slave mentality. They had a slave mindset. One of the reasons they had a problem shifting and not believing God, they kept relying on an old pattern when they, even following the great miracles, when Pharaoh let them go and they appeared before, you know, Moses took a number of the elders up to Mount Sinai and, and they saw the thunderings um, of God. They, they drew back in fear and they said to Moses, we don't want to go near him. You just go there, tell us what he says to you and come report it to us. We're too afraid to approach God. You see, they had a mentality where previously the taskmasters would hear the word from Pharaoh as to what they were to do and come and they would tell Isra the Israelites what to do. And they still had this mindset. They didn't feel like they could talk. You know, Pharaoh was like a foreign god in essence. And now God was inviting them into a relationship, but they drew back and were afraid because they, their mindset was, was that of slaves. So instead of entering into this relationship with, with, with God, they were afraid. And they said, Moses, you go to God and you tell us what he said. They never shifted out of a slave mindset. And I, and I feel that's, that was their downfall. That's why an entire generation passed away in the wilderness because they were afraid to partner with God and know that he would back them up because they had never known relationship with, 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 with anyone before. They only knew taskmasters who reported the words of a pharaoh to them. And now they had Moses, and when Moses invited them up to Mount Sinai, they were like, no, Moses, you go. You tell us what he said. And because they didn't enter into this trust relationship with God at the invitation, they ended up drawing back in unbelief when they saw a challenge in, in front of them. God wants us to have a different mindset. The Bible says there was a different spirit on Caleb and Joshua. And I believe with all my heart that we're going into this next season and we're going to need to have the same spirit that was on Caleb and Joshua be upon us. God has promises for you and I and this body right here and the worldwide body of Christ as well. And he wants us to be able to partner with him, to trust him, and to lean into what he's saying. Now, you might say that, you know, does that mean God's just going to bless me and feed me with cakes and raisins and dates like it talks about early on in the Song of Solomon? I think God wants more of us than that. I think he wants us to believe him and trust him even when things look challenging. And that's... That's where true faith comes in. It's easy when everything's just lit, the banquet, 
banking table is laid out before you, but he's looking for the faith of the young Davids. You know, when the, when the uncircumcised Philistine comes and starts to rail against your God and my God and starts to make threats, he wants us to rise up in the spirit of David that said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should challenge the armies of the living God? And he wants us to take what he's proven. You see, he's proven certain weapons that he's given you. They're weapons of prayer. They're weapons of faith. They're weapons of hope. And he's going to give us the little victories along the way. But those little victories are preparing you for the next challenge. It doesn't get easier, but it gives us confidence. The little victories are to give us the confidence to run against the giants. So for David, it was the bear. For David, it was the lion. And when Saul said, you're only a boy, how are you going to be able to go up against this, this, this giant? He's been a man of war from his youth, and you're only a youth now. David reiterated. He testified to Saul. It said when the, he said, when the bear came to take one of the sheep, I ran at him, and I took him out. When the lion came, I ran at him, and I took him out. And this, this Philistine is going to be just like the bear and the lion. And Saul, all the armies of Israel were quaking at, at, at Goliath's rantings. But Saul, when he heard the testimony of David, said, you know what? I think you're going to do this. He didn't dismiss him. He had... He, Faith arose in Saul's heart. He said, okay, let me give you my armor then. And he tried to put the armor of Saul on David, and, and it was too big and too heavy. And, and David said, I haven't proven these. And so he simply went and he got the tools that he had proven. I'm telling you, in this next season, God's going to give us the little testimonies and the little testimonies, the little victories. And those are the same tools that are going to take us to where we're going to slay the giants. I want you to prepare for a season of victory ahead, great victory. But listen, great victories come with great challenge. So if God's going to increase our faith, we need to be able to step in and run at the giants. I, ha I have more to say on all of this, but I think at this time I want to I want to start to bring it to a close. The prophets are saying this is the time of the great end time harvest. I believe it. I'm hearing over and over again, it's a reset. I'm hearing over and over again, let's examine ourselves. Let's be ready. There's a parable in the Gospels about the, the wise and the foolish virgins and the foolish ones not having enough oil to sustain them, and they run out of oil. This is our time. Let's fill our lamps with oil. What is oil? Oil is the intimacy with God. Let's be spending that time in that secret place with the God to hear his secrets and to run with what he's doing. Because this next season, our ability to hear his voice, our ability to step out in faith, our ability to, to follow the Holy Spirit, is going to unlock the secret doors that take us into the destiny that God has preordained for us to walk in. 
that you would fulfill everything that was written in your book. This is going to be a great season for the church because they who know their God are going to do great exploits. I love you guys. I can't wait to see you in person. Listen, right now we have some of our prayer team on Zoom calls ready to, uh, to pray with you. And uh, you can dial that number on your screen. Bless you all. Love you.